didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. <laughs> and I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney, and this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a look at every single episode of Stranger Things. We have now made it through all four seasons, and we are in the deep, dark void, as we have for season five, which now is not coming until 2025, which is just, it's absurd. It is absurd. absurd. I mean, we've got, we had, it only took three years, and we were in the middle of a pandemic. Everybody was all excited because on Stranger Things Day this year, 11 months from now, everybody's excited because we'll actually have a trailer. I'm like, yeah, we should have yeah, the show I, by then. Why, yeah. Why, like, why I just, are we excited about a trailer? Well, I mean, I mean, we're excited about a trailer. I, but, you know, I don't still. know what Netflix is going to do when Stranger Things is over, though. I mean, it yeah. is what is keeping that streamer afloat. No, oh, I know. I feel yeah. like. I, well, and, yeah. And the kids are done. I don't blame them. They're done. They're ready to. They're ready to oh, move on to yeah. other projects. Yeah, like, I would be too. I, I don't blame them at all. Yeah. So, all right. Well, before we get into our hopper deep dive, which is what this week's episode is, we should talk a little bit about that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There was the article in the Guardian. I can't remember when it was from. It was kind of relatively recently, kind of uh, December something or December tenth. Yeah. Um, the uh, Duffers were interviewed by The Guardian at the opening of um, their play, The First Shadow, yeah. um, and talked mostly about the play, but but the reporter did ask him about the, the final season and how it's going to wrap up and everything. And I don't remember which Duffer was saying this. Was this Matt? Matt um, said, endings of shows are like opening a restaurant in terms of success failure rate. There's an 80% failure rate, I'd say. But I think one very particular way to fail is to attempt to appease everybody. We have a huge variety of, of fans that span a huge age range, and I'm sure they all have their own ideas of how they want the show to end, but we're not consulting social media on this. Thank God. And then you just hope and pray that it resonates. But it was funny. Once we got there, it just felt right, and we're going for it. So, um, Yeah, and they – I don't know what it was or where I was reading it. I just do not know how they're going to – I don't understand how they're putting so much stock into the play being canon when it's not going to be widely available to yeah. most of the audience. Yeah. You know, and people are looking for clues in the play to try to figure out the ending of Oh, the and, show. and like even with leaks and stuff like that, it's still not the same as sitting there for two, two and a half hours and taking it all in and, you know, understanding. <sighs> no, what it's all and about it's and... just, I just cannot imagine that there is anything that is going to affect the ending of the show in the play. I think it's simply there to give backstory. Right. I don't think it's going to, I don't think the play is where we're going to find the key to VH1's existence. No, I don't either. I I mean, that would have obviously already come out because it's been open now for the week or two, I guess. Yeah. Something like that. Longer than that, I thought. Well, they they were in previews for a couple of weeks, but it like officially opened like, well, right around the 10th, 9th, 10th, 11th, somewhere in there, something yeah. like that. So like three weeks, something like that. So Yeah, I yeah. just, I don't know. Yeah. I I have almost to the point where I've like pretty much checked out of like looking for leaks or anything because yeah. it's so early and I am, which it's not, I, I'm not complaining. I want them to do the best that they can do, but like 
I'm real over the weight. Yeah. So, and it's yeah. not like I'm like mad, like I know they have to take their time or whatever, but it is severely dampened my excitement at the moment for anything yeah. New yeah. because I'm just, yeah, it'll, it'll get ramped up again, but it's going to yes. take a long number of months. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think so. Like it's, I'll, I'll be real into it when we get closer, but yeah. for now, I'm just kind of like when anybody mentions like stranger things or like trying to figure out the ending, I'm just like, huh. Yeah, no. I mean, we'll we'll do our theories. Probably, I would assume, maybe after the trailer comes out or something like that, then we can kind of start getting into theories. But it's just silly to even, you know, speculate. It's, it's silly to speculate then. So imagine how silly it is to speculate now. With we don't have any, clue, right? You know, right. So, um, but yeah, filming's supposed to be starting. Table reads are supposed to be starting. So you know, they they they're they're kind of ramping up. So. Yes, I can't wait till we get the last table read picture so we can put them yeah. side by side. Right. All our, all our babies are all grown up. I know. It's yeah. it's weird to see how young they were. It is, yeah. I went back and watched a couple episodes from season one a couple of weeks ago just, just to see it. And they were just, yeah, they're just they're so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to talk Hopper? Let's talk my man. All right. So James, or as we know him, Jim Hopper. Um, I don't know exactly when he was born, but the, the running theory is it was somewhere in the 1941-42 range, which mm-hmm. would have made him 41 or 42 in season one and kind of 44 or 45 by the time season four rolls around. Uh, what we do know about his backstory is he grew up in Hawkins, uh, obviously went to high school with Joyce and Bob. Um, and then after high school, obviously went to Vietnam and had all the Agent Orange stuff that he was telling Enzo about when they were in jail together. Mm-hmm um was a police officer in new york uh in the 70s and then came back to hawkins four years before season one which would have been 1979 uh and was chief of hawkins pd has an ex-wife diane has his late daughter sarah and now he has obviously adopted jane or l um there was on the like in the trivia section on the wikia page some thought that he may have been named after jim hopper um who was an not a character in predator but he was kind of well he was kind of there well kind of there in predator but but his group uh were the first uh victims of the predator and predator and so mm-hmm. they reference him he was the you know he was kind of skinned alive and you know in the trees and yeah stuff. um Wait, you think that his dad named him after that? No, no, no. I think the the Duffers oh, may, may have pulled like, the name. No, 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 no. <laughs> the Duffers may have pulled because they did a lot yeah. of kind of pop culture kind of things. So they may have, you know, kind of pulled the name from yeah. there. Because they, they have referenced Predator before and they've talked about how much they love Predator. So it may have just been, you know, coincidence, but I think it was probably in their mind. But um they obviously in that video that I that we pull clips from all the time when we did the do um uh, the influence episodes um obviously then we talked about it too in the indiana jones thing how they kind of wanted the indiana jones vibe um, yeah and everybody yelled at me and said that they thought that he was too that david harbour is too old to play indiana jones right yeah i'm like no he's not i mean he's an 85 year old playing him now harrison ford's in his 80s and he's doing yeah okay so yeah um so i went back just for the heck of it and looked at montauk um, which was the original pitch that the Duffers mm-hmm. made to see what they kind of envisioned for Hopper way back at the beginning. And they compared him to Chief Brody from Jaws um, in the original pitch. 
They referred to him as the reluctant chief of police in Hawkins and envisioned someone along the lines of Ewan McGregor or Sam Rockwell playing the character. I could have seen Sam Rockwell doing that. Ewan McGregor, I don't know, but Sam Rockwell, I could have seen. Yeah, that would have been because he was the he was the cop in um, uh, Three Billboards. So you can kind of picture what he was. Oh, yeah. But like, I don't know. I see more of like the way. What is it? The way back? The way, yes. way back? Yeah, the way, way back. Yeah. I could see him like that kind of attitude, yeah. like too cool for school. Yeah. So the paragraph that the Duffers wrote up about Hopper um, in the Montauk Bible um, said that Jim Hop Hopper is in his early 40s, is the chief of Montauk police, grew up in Montauk, but moved to the city immediately post-graduation, made a happy life there, but it all shattered when a tragic car accident killed his four-year-old daughter. He retreated to his hometown and now lives a hedonistic lifestyle in a shack by the beach. He drinks heavily, chain smokes, and abuses two and all, a potent barbiturate popular at the time, which has since been banned. Hopper took over the job of chief not to help others, but because it required little of him. After all, nothing bad ever happens in Montauk, or so he thought. This changes when Will goes missing. In order to stop evil from spreading, Hopper will have no choice but to confront the darkness of his past. So, ooh. And then, and I actually went back and I went through the original pilot episode that the Duffers um, wrote, which is actually pretty close to how it wound up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only, you know, they give like stage directions and that kind of stuff. And the only thing they really say there is that Hop is in his early 40s. In the first scene, he's sprawled on the sofa shirtless, wearing only a pair of worn Levi jeans. His house is a mess, cluttered with beer bottles, cigarette butts, and plastic vials, which is, you know. Plastic just, vials? Uh, like pills, pill bottles. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah not he like brushes Walt- his teeth. With not like beer. Walter White or anything. Yeah. No. Um, line distribution wise for our buddy Hopper, um, he had the fifth most lines in season one with 277, second most lines in season two, 293. He had the most lines in season three, which is wild. It is kind of wild. Yeah. But uh, it makes sense. 353 lines in season three. And then in season four, he uh, had only 120 lines. And was well, number 15. I feel like that's season. because of the way they they sort of segmented everything. Yeah. Uh, overall, for the entire run of the series so far, he has the third most amount of lines at 1,043 lines. And he has appeared in every single episode, including The Lost Sister, uh, with the exception of the first episode of season four of The Hellfire Club. In which he is, is in Russia. Which he has not seen at all. So. Uh, talking about David Harbour, the man, the real man, uh, he was born April 10th, 1975 in White Plains, New York, graduated from Dartmouth in 1997, started out doing a lot of stage work, did some minor film roles, went through all, literally all of the Law and Orders. He had little guest stars, you know, guest skins. Oh, yeah. And he plays a bad guy in, um, he's one of like the henchmen in, is it The Last Boy Scout or... It's yeah, one, he was of in, he was in one of those type movies, yeah. and he's like a he's like a bad guy. He like tortures them. Yeah, and then in recent years, he's really come into his own after Stranger Things started. Uh, he had Hellboy in 2019, uh, Black Widow with Scarlett Johansson in 2021, Violent Night in 2022, and then this past year, like three days past year, um, yeah, he had um, We Have a Ghost and um, Gran Turismo, which I actually, I've seen both of those, but Gran Turismo, he was actually really good in it. It was- Is it? They, yeah. Netflix is pushing it hard for me to watch yeah. it. I just haven't yeah. yet. It's, uh, 
it's it's he's good in it the movie itself is kind of you know whatever it's exactly what you think it is but he's he's kind of fun in it's it, about so. the making of the video game right it's it's the story no it's it's the story of how the video game creators uh uh recruited or set up a competition along with nissan to um find a really really good video game <clears throat> video game player to make him an actual real life driver on the circuit so they take a really oh. good video game Gran Turismo driver and they make him a real race car driver and it's it's a true story and, and the guy's actually still a race car driver today so yeah huh well he's um, very open about his um struggle with like bipolar disorder and stuff mm-hmm. if you've ever read those like really long he did like a, they did like a whole profile on him in can I remember what the magazine was probably Vanity Fair yeah I think and he was like talking about like how he didn't want to get it treated for the longest time he was like in denial and he's just like oh like he basically can't function like his Hmm. bipolar disorder is like very severe and he just he's a very big like advocate for like getting like help for your mental health and like there's nothing to be ashamed of like it's literally not your fault like it's just you know there's a chemical imbalance and all that stuff so it made me love him a little more that's awesome yeah uh, he married Lily Allen in 2020. Uh, they mm-hmm. live happily now, kind of in. I think they split between New York and London. Yeah, they um, did a. Uh, I know I saw it on TikTok, but that's not exactly. It's not what it was for, but it was like a little house tour. Yeah, like an architectural and, digest kind of. Yes, their yeah. house is very eccentric. Yeah, it's really yeah. It's kind of it's old world, but kind of loopy. It's kind of uh-huh. weird. I'll see if I can find it. And, and, and she's got. Um, I think she has two daughters that he's a stepfather too yeah i can't remember it sounds kind of right but yeah yeah because they they came to the premiere okay cool yeah um in the awards world he's been nominated a bunch of times um he won uh david harbour did the 2018 critics choice award for supporting actor for, for stranger things uh was nominated for the primetime emmy in 2017 and 18 was nominated for a Golden Globe in 2018, nominated for a SAG Award in 2018 and 2020. He obviously, um, with the rest of the cast, and famously won the um, Ensemble SAG mm-hmm. Award in 2017, and then was also nominated in 18 and 20. And then Online Film and Television Association uh, for Supporting Actor, he was nominated in 2017, won in 2018, and was nominated again in 2022. So that's kind of all the background stuff. So um we've Give gone him through all and, the awards yeah all. we've gone through and picked out some uh, top moments but do you want to talk at all about him as a character and how he's evolved and stuff or do you want to leave it to the emailing kind of i mean i just love him yeah there's, i do too there's not a whole lot like i have to you know people complained about him in is it season three or season two they're like well there was there, there's an email later too there was some discussion about um how he kind of basically you know betrayed l you know kind of oh yeah 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 about like at the beginning that whole thing but i mean i kind of like how he's not you know i I know he's kind of a flawed character anyway and we see that right off the bat with you know the drinking Mm -hmm. and the drugs and and you know all that kind of stuff um so he's not like you know superhero cop you know yay you know no not at all well he didn't even like wasn't even taking it serious at first no um, yeah, he was just kind of like, oh, and then he's probably just, you know, running away or whatever. 
but I think I think the Duffers, you know, did a really good job at kind of developing him, you know, making him well-rounded from the start and then also developing him more and more as the show went on. You know, you think about, you know, everything that he's gone through, you know, from the, you know, the 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 fist fights and, you know, having to deal with motorcycle helmet guy and, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously going into the jail and escaping from jail and getting his toes all scrunched up and, you know, all that kind of, I mean, everything, you know, just kind of, you know, he's been through so much, but he's all, he's just stayed really human and really, you know, kind of grounded and down to earth through all of it, you, oh, know, yeah. he, you know, which is, which is, I think a, a testimony to not only the Duffer's writing, but the Harbor's acting ability. He is phenomenal. And I think, you know, I went back and looked at my MVP and I pulled him as MVP three or four times, I think. Mm-hmm. And you, you pulled, you, you mentioned Hopper as, you know, MVP several times. And yeah, I mean, he's just, he's just so good. I think it was, I'm just not, uh, it just came to me. I think people were complaining about how mean he was to Mike in season three. And they're yeah. like, yeah. And uh, they're like, he was, I was, you know, you can't threaten to kill a kid or da da da. And I'm like, he was a dad. He was being a yeah, dad. Wait, yeah. Come back and talk to me when you're a parent. Like, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Then, then we'll have this conversation. Right. So we went through and did our kind of top five Hopper moments, which is absolutely impossible because I, I think we came up with a list of 15. Yeah. Different things, just, so. I mean, it's just like every, yeah, everything the man does. So honorable mentions included, I, I love the whole um, hair tie thing. Uh, with the blue hair tie and you know keeping that as a running theme and how he wore it and kept wearing it and then gave it to l obviously you know you you know you had mentioned mornings are for coffee and contemplation Mm -hmm. um which is also kind of funny because when i went back and read the pilot script it's not in the original script that line isn't in the script so i don't know if it was written in later or if he improv what yeah um leaving the egos in the woods for l the whole three rules idea that he did with her um the radio apology when he called her on the cb radio when he said he was oh, late gosh. and was yeah. apologizing these are all honorable mentions you know yeah. by the way you know there's nothing wrong with nana the whole todd That's father scene one. um you know sacrificing himself at the end of season three you know to get blown up in the in the russian machine and then obviously you know killing the demogorgon uh, killing the demogorgon in the prison at the end of season four i go back and watch that montage like I should be ashamed by how often I just go back and watch it. Like the running up that hill, like remix yeah, yeah, yeah. they do it, and it's yeah. all the all them like fighting all the big bad. Yeah, every, like, everything's going on at once. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah, like I just so will good. go and watch it just yeah just for giggles. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I actually um you had done um a cheat sheet article on you know kind of top hopper moments, so we can we can post to that too. You had oh you had, yeah, I went through. I think I did several characters when I was there because that was like what I covered. So I think I did. Right. I know yeah. I did Hopper. I did Stephen Dustin as a duo, and I think I did Robin. I might have done them all, actually. Yeah, yeah, I might have at some point. I just, I just found the oh. Hopper one, so we we'll, yeah. include a link to that. So, okay, so get through all that. So, top five Hopper moments. Um, I had at number five um, the whole, you know, when it comes up again and again, the whole you don't mess around with Jim, but I'm bum because yeah, he's Jim. Um, so the dancing flashback. Uh, when they're doing the thing, and then obviously later it comes back up when they're. Driving I was gonna the say you stuff. like season two, but I like season three's version of it. Yeah, when he's in the car. Yeah. Um, so I have that at number five. You want to just alternate these? Is oh that... yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, number four, we had Joyce his hug outside the snowball when they are they're talking about how they used to 
hang out and hang smoke out cigarettes. The and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know. I feel like that's the moment you can tell that he's in love with her. And I feel like he's been in love with her yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. I think that was a, that was a really deep moment just as a, as a character kind of development thing. And then obviously, you know, I, I was talking about it, kind of his humanity and grounding him later, you know, that mm-hmm. I mean, it really just kind of gives him, you know, some more emotional depth and more emotional background. And, and you're right. It does. It sets up the whole Joyce, you know, relationship yeah. going forward. So uh, number three, this is so bizarre that all these honorable mentions and, and number three, saving will in the upside down, which could be number yeah. one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the fact that he went into the upside down in the hazmat suit, trudged through everything, right? You know, pulled him out and saved him. Um, which I think was really good. Well, again, a testament to how much he loves Joyce because I mean, he's, I mean, he's just affected by Sarah's death too. So he's just like, I'm not going to let another kid die. Right on my watch, if I can help it. Not that any, he could have done anything to help Sarah, but yeah. But I mean, yeah, just just to just to go in and do what he did and stuff. It. I mean, it obviously also is a character change in the fact you know you think you know at the at the first episode of that season he's the one sitting there you know not taking it seriously and, mm-hmm. and is all you know pissy that Joyce is in the office and everything. And by yeah. the end of it, he's risking his own life to go into this alien world and you know rescue this right. you know this little boy. So yeah. Um. Number two, we have where he adopts L officially, and it's him and Owens when yeah. he gives him the paper, and he's, I don't know, I didn't see it coming. I didn't either, honestly, yeah. I, I didn't, like, it makes sense, obviously, like, when, when now it's said and done, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's what he was going to do, but I don't know, I kind of almost thought that she might go live with Joyce, and, but yeah no was he he was just really sweet and it just showed like how much he really like was diving back into being a dad again yeah and it was it was a really neat way you know and all the mass hysteria and confusion at the end of season two to kind of you know kind of bring it back down and mm-hmm. you know, have a nice little quiet you know really heartfelt moment you know mm-hmm. which, which was kind of nice so and then the, the number one um i think hopper moment um and we can Drum roll. I wonder if anybody could guess <laughs> before I, we say it. I wonder if anybody has any idea. I mean, there's only one real thing, you know, really one thing left. But um, yeah, so it's the letter that he writes to Elle um, at the end of season three that she's reading as everybody's packing up and everything, you know. And oh, it breaks so my the, heart. Yeah, oh, it's just, oh, it's so every like, time. Oh. Um, so having that being read while everything else is going on in the background and everything, and it ends with the, you know, keep the door open three inches which is just you know just, just really great so so those are our those are our five and you know obviously people wrote in their own but you know you can also email us and let you know what let us know what you think of you know our list and see if we forgot anything or whatever so but we i think didn't. that's about all we have to say about hopper and we can just kind of and now it's time for the let, stars of the show let, let the scoopers take over yeah so we've got emails and first up we've got nate and he says hello strangers i wanted to look into jim hopper's personality based on the enneagram personality test and we'll have a link to that yeah uh it says his personality is called the diplomat the ba- their basic fear is being hurt by others seen in the seen in his relationship with joyce they prefer a leadership role of they prefer a role of leadership he's the sheriff 
They defend themselves by building emotional walls and denying vulnerability. They seek to appear strong, aggressive, and motivated by their instincts. They're confident, good leaders, and help those in conflict negotiations. Seen in the confusing negotiation he does for the kids. Right. They have a softer side when it comes to loved ones, which I think is beautifully shown in his relationship with Eleven and Joyce. I think the Duffers do a good job of creating a really authentic character. And last thing, can you make an episode about continuity errors or maybe address if you ever do a Zoom call again? Thanks for everything, Nate. They're, they are... They have a lot of continuity errors. There are a, quite a few continuity. I mean, we've we've talked about just the music continuity errors, if nothing else. But yeah, like if we're, if we're gonna like break down like years and be like, this song wasn't out yet. Yeah. But to to their credit, they only use it. They never. The kids are never listening to that song. Right. It's just kind of it's, playing in the background. Yeah. 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 So, but yes, that's a good that's a yeah, good episode idea. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next email is from Quinn. Ahoy, uh, Quinn in New Hampshire. Quinn. Uh, ahoy, Colin, Whitney, and all the scoopers at sea. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday season. Yes, every, everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, yes, Happy New yeah. Year. Uh, and as a driving start of a great new year. First, some old business. I wasn't aboard the SS Scoops Troop when you aired your Mike Wheeler episode, so I wanted to add my two cents real quick. Call it a Festivus airing of grievances toward anyone out there hating on Mike. Yes, Mike is an awkward, moody teenage boy, but that series of words is basically redundant, and it's all due to a single preoccupation, Eleven. Where L's involved, he's 100% committed, whether right or wrong. Forgive me if this is old news, perhaps I missed it, but one of the best scenes that captures his commitment is in the sauna test in season three. After the Mind Flayer Billy thing escapes and is fighting L in the weight room, he gets the upper hand and has her in the Darth Vader-style chokehold. Up till that point, all the kids are off to the side staring slack-jawed at the action, but out of the group of friends, it's Mike who shakes off the shock and lands a lead pipe to the back of Billy's head at no small risk, <clears throat> no small risk to himself. If anyone thought it was just a teenage crush between these two, it becomes apparent at that moment just what Mike is willing to put on the line for L. So, what has two thumbs and remains a staunch supporter of Mr. Mike Wheeler? This guy, says Quinn. I feel like that scene, too, is it also, I don't know, it's just the way I look at it and the way I see it. It feels like it's a very, like, clear glimpse into Millie and Finn's friendship, too, mm -hmm. because when he catches her when she falls back like i don't know i don't know what it is there's just something about it where i'm like yeah, oh it feels, he really it feels like it's he real he wanted like, to make sure that yeah. she didn't get hurt yeah and she was i remember i remember we mm -hmm. were talking about that that she was just exhausted like physically yeah. exhausted after filming those scenes so yeah yeah uh next quinn says a couple of songs i neglected i neglected to add to my list last month are uh life in a northern town by dream academy which is just a great song and haven't we really talked about it yet but here's that says the music does a good job capturing the feel of a cold winter's day which it does uh <clears throat> which could work in a christmas new year's timeline speaking of christmas a couple of few 80s christmas songs to set the mood if this is indeed when season five will occur include christmas rapping by the waitresses which is one of my all-time favorite christmas songs i love that song uh last christmas by wham which that's I, one of my favorites which i don't love um <laughs> uh, and then christmas and hollis by run dmc which is here yeah the 
says, lastly, speaking of Christmas and Hollis, it was featured in one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Die Hard. It's the only thing I think of when I hear not that. Not a Christmas movie. It is. It's 100% a Christmas movie. It came movie. out in July. It is not a Christmas movie. I don't care. It happens at Christmas. It is it a Christmas It does happen at Christmas. Baby. It's not a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Another great Christmas song from that soundtrack is Skeletons by Stevie Wonder, which could match the potential theme for the upcoming season. I've never actually heard that song. It's kind of kind of catchy and fun. So uh, anyway, now on to our business, Chief Jim Hopper. I presume Hop's going to receive a ton of well-deserved praise and admiration from the audience for his heroism and self-sacrifice across the show. And I agree with all of it. But I do want to re-explore one less flattering scene in season one when he struck the deal with Brenner in the um, the Upside Down, episode eight. I've heard legitimate legitimate criticism of Hopper's decision to give up Elle's location in exchange for access to the gate and the safety of the kids. I've also heard theories trying to explain away any of his culpability for the act, i.e. he knew Eleven could defeat Executioner Connie Frazier and the truckload of Ensign Rickies that traveled with her. But I think he could see the reality of the moment. There was no solution to their predicament, only trade-offs. Recall that he didn't know Elle at all at this point. He didn't know her background, her personality, or the extent of her abilities. He had just met her when they rescued the party at the junkyard, or when he rescued the party. And you can see in episode seven, the bathtub, when they gather at the buyer's house and Elle confirms that Hopper saw the lab was the gate, he stares at Elle with what I interpret, says Quinn, as a look of grave concern. I believe at this point, he thinks she is dangerous to him, to the kids, and to the town. So when they find out that Will is still alive and needs to be rescued from the Upside Down, Hopper makes the practical trade-off to save Will and protect his friends and his town, get Will back to the real Hawkins, get Elle back to the lab, and get Brenner to take care of the Demogorgon. But it doesn't work out, so Hopper gets a chance to learn more about Elle and what she did for the boys and for the town and also figures she's out there somewhere, still out there somehow. Then there's when Hopper is picked up in the Black government vehicle. That scene's in the final episode for a reason. I think it's when they bring him to meet the new boss at the lab, Owens. And this is when he and Owens hash out their deal about Owens keeping the Upside Down out of Hawkins and Hopper keeping things quiet. I always thought it possible that Owens told Hopper in that meeting that he suspected L wasn't dead and could still be in Hawkins somewhere. Regardless of how he learns that Elle is still around, whether it's the hunter in the woods, um, which is kind of my mm. my thought, Hopper now has a safe town and a chance to reconsider his original trade-off. So he sets up the box in the woods for the food and the egos and starts looking out for her like he's always been looking out for everyone else. Because that's Hopper's chief characteristic, he's a good shepherd, the guy who will always look out for others, even when he sometimes literally has to take it on the chin for doing so. Till next time, scoopers, fair winds and following seas from Quinn in New Hampshire. I still never put it together that he gave up her their her location. Yeah, I, I actually hadn't either until I went back and watched it like the third or fourth time or something yeah. like that. Like it, I still yeah. like it never like you have to remind me that that's what he did. I just assumed that they could track her with like seeing. I mean, if they knew how to find where the gate was, or yeah. you know what I mean, like yeah. then they could have found her, right? Right. Because all they needed was a compass. True. Really? Well, I don't, know if right? the compass, I don't know if the compass would lead to her necessarily, but. But it know. would lead to a gate, which was opened in the school. Right. The Demogorgon got there. True. Or unless the gate in the lab is stronger than that gate and then, you know, but whatever. But yeah, it is. It is kind of. Well, and I, do, I still don't know how he, and, why he knows to put the egos in the box. Like, why? Right. That, that, yeah. And 
yeah, I'm I'm still kind of unclear on that too. So even if he knew that she was out in the woods somewhere, I mean, how does he know she's going to check that box? The woods are that big, and you know how would she know to you know to to go right there? So yeah, yeah it's just kind of a weird thing. Well, if you but, played the game on your phone, the woods are pretty big. Yeah, that's that's true. There's a lot of woods. There are a lot of woods. <laughs> Merk Merkwood, they call it. Yeah. yeah. But thank okay, you, Quinn. Next, That's a good, good email. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Quinn. Next up, we have Kirsten. She says, hello, Colin and Whitney. Hope everyone had a great holiday and hope you all have a happy new year. I'm so excited for the topic topic of this month's ep- podcast episode. Hopper is one of my favorite characters in the whole show, and I love everything about him. He is a character that has grown on me as the seasons have gone by, and I'm so happy he's still alive. Following the end of season three, I was absolutely heartbroken, but I knew somewhere in my heart he wasn't actually really dead. I watched all of season four for a Hopper and Eleven reunion, and when we got to that, I couldn't help but cry tears of joy. Joy, joy. not joys. Seeing Eleven and Hopper's relationship grow over the course of the series has to be one of my favorite parts of the show. A father who lost his daughter and a daughter who didn't have a father. It's just like it was meant to be. I am currently reading a Stranger Things novel called Darkness on the Edge of Town, and it is both a story of Eleven and Hopper around Christmas 1984 and a prequel on Hopper in 1977. I won't say much about the actual storyline in this email, just in case anyone wants to read it, but I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to know more about Hopper before the beginning of Stranger Things. I don't know if that's canon either. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I I um I just picked up Flight of Icarus, <clears throat> Flight of Icarus, the Eddie novel. Yeah. I haven't started it yet, but I uh, but I got that. And then I got my my cool play my uh, little my play school, my little people um, yeah. up there. So and I got a new, want... a new poster, the season two poster back there too. Kind of see. I want to say Kara, Stranger Things lady, she was reading Flight of Icarus and she said it wasn't canon. Yeah, I'm not sure, yeah, what level of canon they are, but I was just kind of curious. But, you know, yeah. kinda, it's written by yeah. um, <clears throat> um, one of the writers, one of the... Um, Has Gwenda Bond written any more than the first one? She just wrote the first one, right? I don't know, actually. I don't know. I, it, um, I know she did not. she did not write Flight of Icarus. I think she just wrote the first one. So, okay, here are Kirsten's favorite Hopper moments. She said, since it is exceptionally hard to pick a moment, we're here are some of my favorite generalized moments. Any moment between him and Eleven, the relationship is just so sweet. Any Joyce and Hopper moment in season three, season four, an iconic Hopper line, keep the door open three inches. This line almost had me in tears back in season three. In the season three finale and throughout season four, Eleven continued to use it to honor him. I think over the last few years, this line has become one of the most iconic lines in Stranger Things. Personality traits. Hopper has both a fierce personality together with a very caring personality. Due to his past experiences, he has a very detailed backstory in which I can see why he acts the way that he does. I have found that many of David Harbour's roles have this kind of backstory and behavior slash personality traits. Our family recently watched Gran Turismo, in which David Harbour's role really reminded me of Hopper. Yeah. Excited to hear all your opinions on Hopper, Kirsten. Yeah. Well. Yeah. He, he, similar personality in Violet Night, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's and um, Hellboy. But, uh, but it's kind of funny. It's it's not because he's a bad actor and he's just kind of relying on the same old stuff. Over no. I mean, it, it just fits the character. It's the characters. That, yeah. And I you mean, know, Hellboy got panned. Like people hated it, and I loved it. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really into that kind of genre of movie. But but I appreciated well, I it for it what him. it was. And but, the trailer alone made me, yeah, just lose my mind. Yeah, so. it was. It was fun. So, yeah. but thank you, Kirsten. Okay, next one is from Harry regarding Hopper. I think it's best to break him down by season. In season one, Stranger Things has two kinds of villains. 
There are the violent ones like Brenner's people and the school bullies. And then there are the selfish ones more concerned with their own comfort and the problems of other people. Lonnie is a primary example of this, but Steve does this several times too. And Hopper starts off as this same guy. People love coffee and contemplation so much that they ask Harbor to say it uh, to them on the street. But that's something an antagonist says, not a protagonist. However, Joyce's dilemma sets him right. He starts off dragging his feet, but actually having to do work reawakens his moral center like muscle memory. Hopper is literally saved from becoming Lonnie by the Byers family tragedy. I still wonder if Elle knows that he traded her for Will. Also, in that moment in episode five, when Hopper tells Joyce that she was right all along, I remember thinking, oh, these two are getting it on. <laughs> Season two, here's Hopper as a parent, but and he's not that great, is he? He's careless. He tries to manipulate her, but he's really clumsy about it. He's obviously more comfortable being a protector carrying Will and an M16 through the Hawkins lab than he is as a caretaker. One thing I loved, though, was the moment in the truck when L, who had been living with him for a year, asks, who's Sarah? He's been raising L as his daughter, and he's never mentioned the daughter he never shuts up about with everyone else. Jesus, Season Harry. <laughs> Season three, the Hopper who shall not be named. Season three was supposed to be lighthearted and fun, but very little of Hopper's BS it was funny to me. His endless bickering with Joyce, his drunken rage at being friend-zoned by Joyce, yelling at Joyce that he needs to move on from Bob's death. I hated it. Season four, it's the Gulagas therapy and weight loss retreat. Personally, I like the Russia plot and not just because of the monster fighting. Hopper gets stripped down to the best part of himself which might be the opposite of what happens when a person is starved and tortured in captivity. But if Elle can become a hero after her ordeals, Hopper can too. And of course, the show lets him get together with Joyce on a permanent basis, we hope, now that the Soviets have given him a flat stomach. Season five, no idea what the Duffers are going to do with Hopper in season five. I just hope he survives and forms a family with Joyce, Eleven, Jonathan, and what's-his-face. Thanks. <laughs> Best, Harry in Seattle. Oh, thank you, Harry. Even though I wholly disagree with every point you made about season three. <laughs> well, he was he was kind of cranky in season three. He was, you know, you think about the scene. I loved it. Well, I mean, yeah, I loved it. But you know, it's when, Magnum. When he yeah, um, Magnum gets cranky. When he um um and when he went to Enzo's and and was, you know, I'm the chief of police and you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny. Okay. Next up is from Luca. They say, hi, Scoopers. Happy 2024. Let's talk about Hopper. He's definitely my top 10 favorite characters in Stranger Things. My favorite Hopper moment was when he said, my favorite line in the whole show. There's nothing wrong with Nana. <laughs> same, Luca. Same. His letter to Eleven was also one of the most emotional parts of the show. I also love when he's trying to steal the Todd father with Joyce in season three. It is also really fun to see him let loose and sing to You Don't Mess Around With Jim. Just please don't post this episode on a morning because mornings are for coffee and contemplation. <laughs> Hope you guys have a great day. Sincerely, Luca. No, well, we post it in the morning. Well, depending where you are in the world, but you don't have to yeah. listen to it until the afternoon. So that's, that's yes. up to you. You're going to have to wait. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Luca. Next one is from Ellie. Hey, Colin and Whitney, how are you guys? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Okay, completely random question. Do you have specific listeners whose emails each of you reads? That sounds very confusing, but basically I've noticed that it's generally Colin who reads mine. And I was wondering if I'm say, if I'm say Colin's responsibility and say, I don't know, Harriet is Whitney's. <clears throat> uh, truth is yes. Um, generally, you know, we have, it's, we've just found it to be easier because you guys may not realize I've been listening to them, but in reading them and going through them, 
everybody kind of writes with a different voice and you mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, it's much, I mean, I know kind of how Ellie, you know, writes and, I, and you know, kind of how Harriet writes and I, you know, generally take, you know, you take Harriet, I take Harry and, you know, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, we don't have a list and you know, there's no like, you know, Venn diagram or anything, but. No, <laughs> and it also became a running joke with Harriet because she was like one of our first, first listeners that emailed in consistently. Right. And like, it, I would get so excited that Harriet, who was 12 at the time would email. And so Colin just gave me her emails to read right. because but now I love everybody's, but we've just oh, stopped. I do too. And well, and that's what Harriet's. happened. That's actually what happened with you too, Ellie, because yes. Um, it was back when, when you were throwing all the Greek yes. words at me and I was like trying to have fun with the Greek words. So then it just kind of became a running joke that, you mm-hmm. know, I was, I was going to massacre the Greek words every, every email that Ellie wrote in. And so it just be, kind of became a thing, but yeah, right. we, we've kind of gotten used to, you know, everybody's kind of writing style. So it's a, it's a, it's a little bit easier for us to kind of do it that way. So, but yeah, we can, we could shake things up. So, you know, stay on your toes. Uh, she says, also, I missed the last episode because I was uh, super busy, but even if I hadn't, I don't think I could have thought of any 80s songs. I did, however, know most of the songs that were mentioned, so I'm reasonably proud of both myself and my parents. For my birthday, I got a lot of books, Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. Oh, I I read that. It's good. I'm not. It's it's a little series. It's very good. The Isles of the Gods by Amy Kaufman and the first two books of the Keeper of the Lost City series. I also got four books for Christmas. He, he, he. I got The Love Hypothesis, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. I saw the movie, did not read the book. Uh, Forgery of Roses and Rule of Wolves. Rule of Wolves is by Lee Bardugo, my favorite author of our all time. I mean, if anyone has read Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, please let me know. I feel very alone in the world. It's on my list. <clears throat> and I think she also wrote Ninth House, maybe. But she's on my list. Okay. Anyway, on to Chief Hopper, we all know and love. I love Hopper, except for in the beginning of season three. He got on my nerves there. But other than that, chef's kiss. Plus, he reads Ellen, Sarah, Anne of Green Gables, which is another favorite series of mine. Speaking of Sarah Hopper, I recently watched Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And Sarah Hopper is in it, the actress who plays her, with the name playing the character, Nancy Wheeler. Oh. Which is hilarious. I remember watching it because I'm like, where do I know this girl from? And it's it's the actress that played Sarah. And her character's name is... Yeah, Nancy Wheeler, huh. which is kind of funny. Uh, and Ellie says the actress is my age. So uh, Hopper, all in all, a great person, great dad, great chief of police, great boyfriend of Joyce. I don't have anything else to say that hasn't been said already. So I'll leave it at that. Bye, Ellie. Hey, next up we have Harriet. She says, hi, Kalana Whitney. Happy New Year's. My week in Dublin went well. I saw my cousins and relatives, which was great, although it was very cold. And the 14-hour flight was not very pleasant. I get really nauseous on planes and the food doesn't help. Ooh, no. Yeah. Anyway, so Hopper. It's been a while since I watched season one back, but I remember rooting for Hopper a lot of the time. But I was very weirded out by him ripping his entire trailer apart before checking the light. Probably the first thing I would have done. Yeah, whenever you're yeah, looking for it's a always in the light, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always loved the way he supported Joyce, even when the town thought she was crazy. And of course, the Russia plot. I absolutely lost it when Joyce set off with Murray to rescue him. I'm a sucker for that trope. And that's all I got. I hope 2024 is a very strange year for us. I'm definitely wishing for a release date. Love, Harriet. Well, you're getting one, but it's not till 2025. We'll be happy times, but yeah, <laughs> that's okay. All, all right, right, we have, you want to catch up on some other emails that... Yeah, we actually, um, 
completely missed this. I, for some reason, I went into our junk mail for some reason from Eve. So, but I, oh yeah, but I dug it out. Yeah. So this is for our music episode from last time. Yeah, and it went to our junk mail. And she says, Ahoy Scoopers, I was not around in the 80s and therefore have no specific 80s songs I want to hear in season five, but I have two songs that would definitely work in season five, 80s or not. I need to hear the Foo Fighters, The Sky is a Neighborhood in season five. We can't clip it because YouTube was like, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. So we'll post it on the socials instead. Yep. Uh, number of times I've watched the music video and thought, my God, this gives Stranger Things vibes is worryingly high. <laughs> Plus, I'm a mega Foo Fighters fan, so that would be an added bonus. If you haven't heard the song before, go listen to it and you'll realize how perfect it is for season five. For the final fight scene against Vecna, because let's face it, it's bound to be L, I have to hear Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. Yes, I realize I'm channeling my inner Swifty, but the lyrics are, I got smarter, I got harder in the nick of time. Honey, I rose up from the dead. I do it all the time. Eleven has to grow so fast over Stranger Things and overcome so much. I would say she's gotten harder and smarter just in time to save the world every season. And at the end of season one, Elle was presumed to be dead and nearly died at the end of season four. This is her song. Give Elle her reputation era. Please, Lord, <laughs> I need to hear Taylor Swift and Stranger Things. Finally, a little bit of news. I turned 17 on Christmas Day. Well, happy birthday, Eve. Yay, happy birthday, Eve. Finally, I'm actually so excited because I think my family's Family gave me or got me loads of Stranger Things stuff. Well, you'll have to tell us next time. Yeah. We'll share pictures if I'm right. As I said, that's all I've got this month. Merry Christmas, everyone, and see you next year. OMG 2024. Wow, that's gone fast. Happy New Year at the same time, I guess. Love from the UK. Yeah, and then she actually emailed um, for this episode to say that she's not going to email because her dad surprised the whole family with a trip to Spain. So, oh. So, yeah, so they're all in Spain. So she she hasn't gotten us any pictures or anything yet. But I'm assuming by the time the next episode rolls around. Yes. We will get those. So speaking of the next episode, uh, we will be back on February 1st uh, with a bit of a throwback episode. We're going to do another deep dive, but it's not a character deep dive. We're going to take a look at, and I talked about it up at the top of the show, uh, the original Montauk show Bible that the Duffers put together to originally pitch their concept and get Stranger Things sold or bought and sold and produced. And we're also going to take a look at the first script uh, that they wrote for the pilot episode. So I'm assuming you guys have all at some point tripped on it or, you know, at least kind of flipped through it or not being all the, the Stranger Things fans that you guys are. But if you have not, we will include links to both of them in our socials. Mm -hmm. Um on Facebook and on Twitter. So, but if you can't get them there, just email us and we'll, we'll just email them to you. Um, so you can read them. They're just like PDF files. So you can kind of look through them. And they're not very short, but they include pictures and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. The show Bible is really neat how they put it together. They put like, mm -hmm. you know, clips from other movies that, you know, that kind of inspired and, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's really kind of neat. So uh, we'll include links to both of those. They're all, they're also both real quick reads. Um, yeah. so you can, you can kind of flip through them and then we'll, and send us your thoughts and what you noticed and that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about that. So email us by Sunday, January 28th. So about four weeks or so. Uh, and then we will be back on Thursday, February 1st with our very next episode. So. Yeah. You'll be killing me to record that night or to record that week because I will have just gotten the new Crescent City book. And I will uh, not want to do anything but read. Okay. So that's how well, much I love you guys. Okay. 
Um, as always, you can email us at scoopshoypod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at scoopshoypod. We are in, we have our own little Discord server, which you can join. You can find the links pinned in Facebook and on Twitter. And if you want to email us, feel free to talk about whatever you want. You can just email us, say hi. We like yeah, it. We'll we love it. All right. right or, that or, or tell us, uh, tell us who you want to read your email. If you're getting sick of, you oh know. yeah, if you're getting, period. <laughs> if you're getting sick of hearing me read your emails, then you just let me know, girl. That's right. We'll, we'll switch it up. Oh yeah, we'll be crazy. If so, if somebody else wants me to read theirs, just all you gotta do is let us know, and we'll do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So. All right, guys. I want to thank everybody for tuning. Wait. I yes. Thank everybody for listening and watching. Hope you tune in next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.